All right, you guys. We are a really strange breed, are we not? The human race. Um, We're gatherers. Most of us are. Some of us aren't. But most of us in human nature are just gatherers. We love to accumulate things. In fact, one of my uh, first investments was actually called the accumulator. You know, what a a great name. Just telling you, you're going to get more. You're going to get more. And I was just thinking, though, there is nothing quite like moving to help one not want to get caught up in accumulating things. Would anybody agree? I mean, isn't it hilarious? I mean, moving can be such a horrible experience because you just go, how in the world did I get all this stuff? This realization that you have things that you don't even know why you have them. And, and that's why I think like if, you, if you're going around, you know, how many, anybody like garage sales? You like garage sales? No? Okay. Well, you and me. Uh, but everybody else, if you see there's a moving sale or a garage sale, which one are you going to? I'm going to the moving sale. Because you know right then people have realized stuff that they actually like, they don't want anymore, and they're throwing it out. It's much more valuable. And it's so funny because I think when I was a single guy and I moved, you know, I was like that right there. You know, you just stick it in your car. You got practically nothing at all. I remember when Susie and I both got married, and we actually got married a little bit later. I was 33, she was 30, but still, we didn't have that much stuff. You know, we could hop in the little U-Haul and crumb across the country, and then we bought a home. It's amazing what happens when you buy a home. All of the stuff that you have, it gets absolutely crazy. So I have this great idea. I think that maybe we should have a new mandate in our culture that makes you move every year. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you had to move, no, 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 but if you had to move every year, one of the things that you would do is you would not end up accumulating things that really didn't matter much to you at all. Now, the reality is there are things of high value that we possess, right? You guys have all played the game. If your house caught on fire, what is the one thing, right, that you would go and that you'd save out of your home? Uh, we were on vacation in, in Colorado this summer, and uh, we're staying in a hotel, and it was about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, the movie was just wrapping up, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's an emergency in the building. Everybody get out. I mean, it was like the first time I'd been in like a big public setting like that, and we're all, I think this is real. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night. This isn't some, you know, little test or whatever. And so we got the kids and, and my wife, and we're all coming out, and I grabbed one thing. You know what I grabbed? My computer. Because my, like, my life is in this dumb little box. It's amazing, all the stuff that's in there. And so I'm walking out. Nobody else, I don't even remember seeing anybody else have anything, but I have my computer. Because that is one thing of high value. So we do have stuff that's valuable to us. But you also know, obviously, if there was actually a, a fire in my home, the very first thing that I would do is I would make sure that my wife and my children were out of that home. I wouldn't be going grabbing for anything else. Nothing else has any type of value more than those that are in my family that I love. So here's the deal, you guys. Jesus Christ, he never lived for this world. He never did. And yet he lived for the world. He actually died for the world. And you know why? Because Jesus wanted to rescue his family. He knew while he was here, there was one thing that mattered to him, and it was you. And it was me, it was, it, it was people that mattered to Jesus Christ. And so he lived and he died to change the world, and he did it to change your world. And here's the interesting thing, what Jesus said, because that was not easy. It was excruciating for him to actually do that. But he said he did it, you know why? For the joy that was set before him. Jesus Christ had this joy set before him, something he could fix his eyes on, and it was you. He said, I know if I will go through what I go through in this world, then you'll have a chance to be with me for eternity. (laughs) And now that's worth it for me. And so I'll die for you. I will live and I will die for you for the joy set before him. Now here's our reality. Someday, we're all going to move. And I mean like we're really going to move. And it's going to be the final move. And we're going to go home. And um, that's what God calls it. Jesus said, don't you know that I go to prepare a place for you? And in my home, in my mansion, are many rooms. Other places in Scripture tells us that we're just passing through, you guys. This is a very, very short journey that we're on. But eventually, we're going to go home. 
And when I go on journeys, when Susan and I go somewhere, if we actually travel somewhere that's of significance, I really actually like to bring something home of value. Anybody else you guys like to do that? But what I do is I bring things back that I think are going to add value to my home. So my question for you today is what are you going to take home with you that's of value? When this little journey that you and I are on, and maybe that it's one thing out of anything else that'll be great for you to be reminded of today, that your life here on earth is so short, very important, but very short compared to eternity. And First Timothy 6, 7, it says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. So the question is, what do you value? What do you live for? And where is your heart? And I want us to really think about that today. Because what you do with the short life that you have is going to impact your eternity. And it changes the world even right now. So as a church, as K2 the church, we exist, you guys. We believe this with every fiber of our being. The only reason we're here, the reason we moved out here six years ago from Michigan to start this church in this valley is because we believe that God wants to change the world. (laughs) It's what he's all about. And he does it through the church. So that's why we're here. So even as we get ready to celebrate five years this fall, five years later, we're here because we believe that God wants to change the world. And he wants to change yours. Every single one of you who decided to get up this morning and come to K2 the church this morning, God is saying to you today, I want to change your world, your own heart, your own mind, you as a person. I want you to be everything that you could be. And then once that happens, then we'll go and we'll change the world around us. So that's our series. That's why we're talking about it, because we know that God wants to change this world. And we've been in Matthew 6, which is one of Jesus' most famous sermons, taking words directly from him. And he said, if you want to change the world, then the first thing you do is you give to the needy, give to those who have need. Secondly, you pray. Last week, we talked about if you really want to do it, there's this, this, this spiritual practice that God has given us called fasting. And today, if you want to change the world, I think Jesus is telling us, then you value the things that are valuable to him. If you want to change your world, the one you're living, your life, and that around you, then you value the things that are valuable to God. So let's read it. It's Matthew chapter 6, which we've been in, and we're going to read today verses 19 through 24. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness nobody can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money so there you go it's always fun for me i know the whole bible is god's counsel to us anointed by the spirit of god but there's always something to me that when jesus christ was here on earth God in the living flesh. And he said, man, I want you to understand life. That when we read his words to us, um, how important they are. So I'm gonna pray for us um, because I know that all of our hearts at some point or another struggle with this issue of knowing that this world has everything I need and it has nothing that I need. So let's pray together. Would you pray too? And, And just in this moment as well as I'm praying, just offer up your heart to God and say, God, I wanna hear from you and I want what you have for my life and for the life around me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much um, for your counsel to us. I, I I always wonder what would it be like if you had not revealed who you are to the world, and if you hadn't revealed why we're here and what our purpose is. We would be so left to our own efforts to understand our existence and our meaning. And I just want to say to you this morning, thank you so much for revealing to us what's important to you and why we're here. And so God, as we look at this whole issue of our treasures 
and our hearts. We know right now that the things that we possess and the things that we value, that's just it. We value them. They are really, really important to us. And so I know you're going to talk to us about the things that are really important. And and I just want to ask that even now, you might prepare every heart in this room to hear from you and to receive from you because your desire always is for us to live the life that you've created us to live. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I got uh, a few things as we, as we walk through uh, this, this, this passage. If you grabbed a, a program, the whole back is for notes. If you have a pen or whatever, you might want to write some of this stuff down. What is Jesus Christ telling us right now for us to be able to have the life that he's created us and so that we could actually change the world? The first one, first thing he's telling us to do is this, is you have to examine the portfolio of your heart. And this investment strategy that we're going to kind of talk about today, it seems like God says the first thing you got to do is you got to examine the portfolio of your heart. In other words, the total accumulation of what really matters to you in your own being. And what he says here is uh, apparently there are two treasures. There's a treasure on earth and there's a treasure in heaven. And he says to us, as we just read, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and destroy, and where thieves can break in and steal. It's really interesting. The word there for store up is the same root word for treasure. They're actually the same word, just kind of diversified a little bit. So in essence, what that verse is really saying is, don't treasure treasures that are on earth. Now, why? Why not? Why should you and I not spend our major effort of our life give our time and all that we are to treasures that are here on earth. And the first thing that he says is because that's where your heart is. If you, if that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is, the things that you value, that's where you're going to find your heart. And can I just tell you guys something again, remind you this morning? There is nothing more valuable in all of your life than your heart. The heart, when the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about the actual center of your existence. It's at the core of who you are and what drives you and what moves you. Your heart, in fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Your heart is the wellspring of life. In the New Living Translation, it says, above all else, guard your heart because it affects everything that you do. And so we do lots of things, but everything that we do is somehow tied to our heart. And so God says, man, you guys guard that thing. Guard your heart and be careful with it. And so I'm telling you right now, don't store up your treasures on earth because then your heart's going to end up be there. Now, what this passage has always said to me is if you want to know the truth about your heart, then just look at what you value. Look at what you treasure. And and, and, because we can say lots of things, man, I really value this. This is really important to me. But the reality is, what you need to do is just look at what you treasure. And then you'll find out where your heart is. And so when I think about there, there are four things that hit me. Because there's four things that are really valuable to all of us. The first one is your time. Your time. Man, I can't believe I, I could use another five days every week. Anybody else? I mean, I just, I, I, I'm telling you, it just every week flies by. My to-do list remains unchecked, and it's just crazy to me. Every moment of my life is so valuable to me. And so if you want to find out what I actually value, if you want to find out where my heart is, then just look at my time and find out where I spend it. The second one is my talents. In other words, the things that I offer, the things that I have, the things that I can bring to the world, where do I disperse them? Where do I, where do I use them? That's going to tell you what I value. The third one, and this is getting more and more important the older I get, and that is your energy. (laughs) I'm realizing, man, I don't have the energy that I used to. And so I'm going to expend energy every single day. And where do you expend it? And it's kind of close with time and talents, but where do you give yourself away? And then the last one is this, is your resources. And we've said this Over and over again, I think Jesus just wants you to know, hey, if you want to know what you value and you want to know where your heart is, then just look at your checkbook, look at your visa statement, find out where your money goes, because wherever your money goes, your heart goes right with it. And then God says, remember this, 
I care about your heart. That's all. In the Old Testament, right? With David, he said, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. He cares about your heart. And I think that's why he says, don't put your treasures in the things of this world. Don't value. Don't go after. Don't live for the treasures of this world. Well, why not? Here's why. Because your heart will be there. And one thing we know, maybe now more than ever, is your treasures can be lost. Anybody looked at your portfolio lately? Unbelievable. And I know some of you are going, no, you have no idea how unbelievable this is. Because stuff that I had that was totally secure, stuff that I had accumulated in my accumulator, it needs a new name now, right? The deflator, you know, or something. Because it's not happening anymore. For some of you, it was your job. You knew that this was the secure thing that you had. It gave you significance. It gave you meaning. You got you to use your talents there. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. And so this is one of the reasons, you guys, right there in the scriptures, in that time and age, Jesus said, man, moth will eat this because things of value were closed and and royalty had all this closed and rust will destroy. In other words, he was saying, if you value earthly treasures, your heart is going to be there. And I'm telling you right now, they could be gone at any moment. And if that happens, then it damages your heart. And I've talked with some of you. I know some of you have been at the brink where you're just like, it is, it is killing me. I don't know how to continue on the stress, the pressure. And I think what Jesus is just trying to say, I'd love to, say, I'd love to rescue you from that. Make sure you don't put up your treasures and store them up on earth. And here's the other thing, you guys. The reason why Jesus says, and don't value the stuff of this world. You know why? Because when you do, it doesn't change the world. It doesn't. If your value, your heart, what you give everything to is just to have a little bit more of something else, that is not the attitude that changes the world. And I can tell you this, it definitely doesn't change eternity because you know as well, as as the scriptures clearly said, is when your final days are done here, you are not packing up the wagon and bring what you lift for. Isn't that an amazing thought? How much energy and time and resource and talent we put towards stuff that's going to be gone in an instant. And so he says instead, value the things that are valuable to me. They can't be lost. It is an investment that will last forever. And they will change the world. So can I just ask you real quick, if you had to take a real good inventory of the portfolio of your heart today, What are you living for? What are you living for? Where's your treasure? What do you value more than anything else? What's taking all of your time? What's taking your talent? What's taking your energy? And what's taking your resource? And if you're here at church today to receive from God, I think he's saying, oh, please, please be careful with your heart. And don't invest it in the things of this world. All right? So that's the first thing Jesus tells us. The second thing he says to us, if you really want to change the world, your own heart and the world around you, then don't diversify your funds. Okay? Now, how many of you have your funds diversified? Right? Any of you who have listened to anybody, that's what they tell you. I mean, it's like, don't put it all in one place, right? Because you don't know for sure what's going to happen with that. So get it all over the place and then, you know, we'll, 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 we'll keep it in there in the long haul. Eventually, you're going to be good to go. But don't bank on one thing because if that crashes, you're burned. <laughs> but you know what God says? He says the exact opposite. No, no, no. Believe me, don't diversify your funds. Don't put your heart all over the place. Put all your eggs in one basket. Why? Look at this, Matthew 6, 22. Said the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, did that make any sense to anybody? Like, I I, I love that passage because when I first read that, I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. 
And, but here's what he's saying. Just like there are two treasures, there are two eyes. You could have a good eye or you could have a bad eye. Now, here's what's really interesting. Last week, uh, when I was sharing about the Greek, remember, fast, you know, anybody remember what fasting means in the Greek? Anybody? No eating. Right. All right. That was very, very deep and, and helpful. But you know what's so interesting? In this word, in this passage, when it says, if your eyes are good, that word actually means single. If your eyes are single. Now, here's what is so cool to me about the Bible written 2,000 years ago in this passage. You know, they, they didn't understand optometry back then, right? But what do we know today? I, I remember years ago, I was asking a friend of mine who's an optometrist. Do you know what happens? You know how we see? Light, because look at what the passage says. The eye is the lamp of the body. In other words, the source of light. So light comes into your eye, comes into mine, and it comes in and it hits a lens, right? And after it hits the lens, it disperses back into the very rear of the eye. And if it comes through that lens and it comes down to one point in the back of your eye. Is anybody an optometrist or in the eye business here? Okay, good, in case I'm wrong. No, I'm not, I'm not. But <laughs> you could fix me. But seriously, I, I, I talked to a friend of mine. What happens is when the eye comes through the lens, it goes to the back of the eye, and when your eyes are good, when you can actually see, you know what happens? All of the light goes to one point. And then it's clear. How many of you have corrective lenses? How many of you have to have corrective? Okay. You know what happens to you and to me? Uh, I only need them part of the time. I'm only half screwed up. The rest of you are really screwed up. But when, uh, but when your eye comes in, the light comes in, it hits the lens, and then it disperses, and it hits multiple points in the back of your eye. And when that happens, everything gets blurry, and you can't see. Isn't that awesome? And so Jesus, the one who created us, knew. And I think he was sitting here saying, can I just tell you something? When you have a single eye, when you have a good eye and it's single, in other words, everything that light is coming in and it's hitting just one point, then you can see clearly. You guys, can you imagine if we didn't have corrective lenses now? I mean, how many of you would really, seriously, go ahead and read, how many of you would actually really struggle to function well without your glass? Okay, I mean, see, this would be like, there would be no way. Um, the rest of my family's like that. I mean, all of a sudden, it is so frustrating when you can't see that. When life is blurry, you can't fully function anymore. Now, you can live, but you can't truly live. All of a sudden, you are limited. I mean, it was so funny. Even uh, we, Susan and I just celebrated our anniversary uh, this weekend. You know, so I give her this gift, and we're sitting, in the, and she's always had this single vision, this ability to see. So I hand her this, uh, this gift in the restaurant, and it's kind of small. And so for the, for, for the first time, all of a sudden, she's doing this. You know? How many of you have to do that? I, I love that. When Eric Winter had to do that, I love making fun of him. Because you are getting old, man, when you have to do this. Like something's happening. All of a sudden, you can't see as clearly anymore. And what God is telling you and me is that when you take in this world, if you take it and you value multiple things, if you value the treasures of this world and the treasures of God at the same time, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. It's an amazing illustration. And so the next thing he says to us is this. Well, Well, actually, before I say that, when I was thinking about this, you guys, I said, how many people ever changed the world with multiple values? How many people really changed the world when they didn't have a clear vision of what they were living for? But they gave a little bit of time here, they gave a little bit of time there, they dabbled in this, and they did this, and then they changed. I, I tell you, the people who change the world are focused on one thing, And nothing can get it off them. Nothing. No person. Nothing else. And it drives them. I think even the people who really change. I shared last week that I am seeking, right, just in my own personal life right now, to say even more. It's like I'm I'm living a good life, but I'm not living everything that I could do. And so it takes effort on my part to get rid of some of the stuff on the periphery that always constantly tries to drag me away from what I really want to do. But if David Michael Nelson is ever going to be the man that I was totally meant to be, then I can't have a blurred vision. 
I have to have one thing that I'm committed to and I have to let the other thing slide away. And I just think that maybe God's saying the same thing to you. Are you, are you, have, have, are you blurry in your vision? Do, do you love me? And do you love the world at the same time? And that's the next thing he says to you. You don't diversify your funds. Because he also says this. If we, if we look at the passage again. In verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So there's two treasures. The treasures of earth and the treasures of heaven. There's two eyes. You can have a good eye or you can have a bad eye. And there's two masters. You can either have God as your master or you can have money as your master. And what's interesting, again, the word here is actually mammon, which doesn't mean just money. It means all of your material possessions. And um, I think that if I can just, this is one of those things where sometimes we don't like to talk about. I'll be honest with you. I actually like to talk about this because I think this is one of the biggest areas where us who live in America will never experience the fullness of what God has for us because we really want to go to church and we really want to be good people and we really want to do what God wants us to do and we really want the American dream (laughs) and we want them both. And so there's a quote I found that said this, one of the biggest, if not biggest, dangers to Christianity is materialism. We try so hard to create heaven on earth and throw in Christianity when convenient as another addition to the so-called good life. Can I just read that again? I'm going to read that again and just, just, just think about your own life. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, dangers to Christianity is materialism. We try so hard to create heaven on earth and throw in Christianity when convenient as another addition to the so-called good life. I think this is such a subtle spiritual scheme of our enemy because he knows if I can get them caught up in a couple things, if I can diversify their funds, if I can make sure their heart is all over the place, then they'll never be as fully impactful as they could be. Then they'll never know God in the deepest manner that they could. And so what Jesus told us, you guys, he says, you can't do this. It doesn't work. You can't have God as your master and your material possessions as your master. And so I was thinking, well, why not? Why not? Why can't I have tons of stuff and enjoy the absolute fruits of this world and have Jesus as my master? Now, can I just say something really key here right now? This is, this is really important to understand. I am not talking, I don't think God is talking, obviously, as you look through the world. He is not talking about how much you own. This is not about amount. It's about your attitude. Okay? And this is really, really important to understand. Because the reality is, we all make different amounts of money. <laughs> I mean, some of you guys out here, you have jobs, you're making six figures. Some of you are scraping by on minimum wage. Some of you have very little resource, and some of you have a ton of resource. But here's the, ad- here's the reality, is that there are some people who don't, have li- who don't have very much resource at all, and their master is money. <laughs> and so the fact that they don't have resource, it still drives you crazy, and you want more, and you can't enjoy this life because you're pursuing after it. And... There are some people who have tons of money and God is their master and money is not. And so you need to understand right now that no matter who you are, no matter how much money you're bringing in today, again, God's not looking at the amount of money that you have. All he's looking at is your heart. And what he's saying is money is not evil. Money can be very, very good. But what can be bad is your heart. And again, that's what I'm concerned about is your heart. So why would Jesus say you can't have money or possessions as your master and have God as your master at the same time? Let me just share with you, to me, what happens, I think, when money or materialism is our master. Now again, not when you have money, but when it's your master. When you live for money, then what it does is it touches on every human tendency for greed. Mike Uh, Rutledge spoke on greed not too long ago and this realization that when you have greed inside of you, it messes up everything else. 
And money, if it's your master, can touch on greed. It will make you want more. It's never enough. And you, you know the millionaires who've said that. It's like, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. It's never enough. When money is your master, it makes you focus on yourself. It just does. When money is your master, it inhibits generosity. If you're living for it, you're not going to give it away. And here's the other thing that's interesting. When money becomes someone's master, is it is the number one, one of the number one destroyers of marriage. Isn't that interesting? Every time you, you, you when, I'm, when I'm working with people who are struggling in their marriage, you just know that one of the very good potential reasons that they're struggling right now is because of money. Now, money can be a huge blessing, but when it's your master, it will mess up your marriage. Or it can mess up your relationships. It can mess up business partners. It, is, it can be so nasty when it's your master. When money is your master, you guys, he, it creates anxiety and stress and depression. And some people literally have lost their very life because of the pursuit of money. Now, that's what money is when it's your master. If God is your master, if he's the one who gets to call the shots and you live your life for him, how is he different? Here's how it is different. If God is your master, he's going to call you to generosity because that's what he is. One of the greatest things I love about the Bible, the more I study it, you see that God is always the one who gives and he gives and he gives. And he says, so when I come inside you and my Holy Spirit gets inside your heart, you know what I do? I give. Now I get to do it through you. And so if he really is, if you're sitting here today and say, man, I love the Lord. I, I, I do. I love God. Then one of the things he's saying is that I'm going to create within you a heart of generosity. If God is your master, it helps you to be content with what you have. That's the other thing that's amazing about God. Money as your master makes you want more. God as your master says, you know what, dude, you are so good with what you've got. Creates a heart of gratitude. When God is your master, he allows you and he calls you to focus on others. If you're caught up in money, man, it's like I've got, you, just, you get so focused on yourself. But as soon as God takes control, he goes, no, 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 you don't need that. Look at the world around you. Look at the people around you. And he calls you to others. When God is your master, he sets you free from needing money for prestige and value and comfort and satisfaction. It's one of the reasons that there's so many reasons, obviously. The main reason that we do our mission trips across seas is to be a blessing to others. But one of the most amazing things that happens to the people that go is to see the people who don't have anything so content and filled with peace because they haven't got caught up in money as their master. You God's, God's way, if God is your master, then his way is always selfless love. You want to have a good marriage, you guys? It was so fun. This was a great weekend for me. Susie and I got to celebrate our 10 years. And then last night, I got to actually perform a wedding. So I have like marriage on the brain, like big time, you know, this, this week. And, and I'm just loving it. And I said this at the wedding last night, and I'll say it again. Uh, this woman is so unbelievably selfless in her love towards me. I, I, I'm telling you, unless I was an absolute imbecile idiot, we should be okay. Because when you live to give yourself away, it works. It works. And again, why does money screw up relationships? Because when it becomes your master, the next thing you know, you're living for yourself and you need more of this and I want that and I have to have this. And then you have the other person who's doing the same thing and I'm telling you, you're going to get nothing but this. But when God is your master, he says you don't live for yourself anymore. Now you live for others and I'm telling you, you want a great marriage simply at its very core. Think about the other person more than you do yourself. And that's what God does when he's your master. And here's the other thing God says. I'm not, I, this whole anxiety thing, this whole depression thing, this whole um, hopelessness stuff, the, the things the world is starting to feel here in America because our economy is tanking, you know what God says? That is so not of me. When I'm your master, I give you peace. When I'm your master, I give you rest for your soul. When I'm your master, I give you hope and I give you life to the full. You guys, when you spend 
your time and your energy and your talents and your resources, when you live for what matters to God, when what is valuable to you is what's valuable to God, then all of a sudden you can start to have the life that you were created to have. And that's why he says this. You can't serve money and me at the same time. Because I guarantee you, at some point, if you try to serve both of them, there's going to be conflict. And, I, and it's amazing to me. Jesus' language here is so strong. He says, at some point, you're going to either hate the one and love the other. And I was really trying to think about that. And I'm like, are you serious? Is that really true? And I think it is. Because here's why. If you want to pursue and serve money, and serve God at the same time, eventually, you're going to have to deny one of them to have the other one. You're going to have to do it. And that's why, when God starts to knock on the doors of our heart, and he says, hey, you know what I'd love to do? I would love to come in, and I would love to make you everything that you were created to be. I would love to change your world then one of the first things he does is he starts to change your heart. And your heart for years has been going, your master money or materialism goes, whoa, 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 wait a second here. Come on now. There's not going to be as much stuff maybe or I'm not going to be able to pursue these things anymore. And there's conflict. And then what happens is some people, as the Bible says, have shipwrecked their faith because of this pursuit of stuff. And you guys, remember how this started off? When we're all done here, we're all going home. And we're not taking any of this stuff with us. And God is so concerned about your heart. And he doesn't want it to get, to get, it to get damaged when the resources you have fall apart. And when you see him face to face, he wants it to be an unbelievable reunion. So don't diversify your funds. Have a good eye and serve only one master. And here's the last thing. Do we want to change the world? Do we want to change the world? I do. I want my world to be changed. I want my family's life to be changed. I want my neighborhood to be changed. I want this church to continue to change. I want to see Salt Lake change, Sugar House, Utah. And even as we go, I really do. Anybody else want to see that? Okay, all right, a few of us. Excellent. Not really, but, uh, but not bad. No, but seriously, you guys, what are, what, are, what are we here for and what are we living for? And again, the only reason we exist as a church is because we believe that God can change your world and that he wants to change the world around us. So what are we going to do? It? How are we going to do it? How are you going to do it? The last point is this. You need an eternal investment strategy. You need and I need an eternal investment strategy. I'm not going to diversify my funds. I'm going to put my heart in one place, and then I'm going to invest in the things of eternity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, Jesus Christ, our creator and our savior, for those of us who are Christians, our Lord said this, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure, you guys, things that are in heaven. Treasure them. They will not be taken away. You cannot lose them. No matter what happens to you on this planet and this earth in the short time that you're here, cannot take away the treasure that you store up in heaven. And when you're done here and you get there, it's going to be there waiting for you. So my question for myself, as we're preparing this message, is, well, what is that? <laughs> How, what, okay, great. How do I store up treasures in heaven? And I thought, well, what are they? And these are the three things that hit me. I, I believe that the treasures in heaven, first of all, are the favor and the blessing of God. When you get to heaven, you guys, there's only going to be one encounter that's going to matter. You're going to sit there before your maker. And as the scripture says, his words say, well done, good and faithful servant. To have God's favor and his blessing on you and the life that you live, that is going to be a huge treasure. 
The second thing he says is there's going to be rewards in heaven. And I'll be totally honest with you, I've studied these before. I think some of them are just mysteries. Some of the rewards that, God's are going, that God is going to give us are mysteries. But I can tell you this, he's a really good God, and whatever those are, I want them. Okay, so he's going to give rewards. And then thirdly, this is the one reward I do know. This is the one reward I do know. It's people. It's just people. You guys remember, any, any old-time Christians in here remember the song, Thank You by Ray Bolts? Thank you for giving to the Lord. You know, we all made fun of it eventually. But, uh, but when it first came out, you could hardly listen to it without tears in your eyes. Because the whole song was about what it's going to be like in eternity when the people that you blessed here are actually with you. God, I, just, I, I pray I could make this clear. You guys do understand, really, right? You do understand that you brought nothing into this world and you're taking nothing. You understand? All that you're working for today, you know you're not taking any of that with you, right? You aren't taking your job. You're not taking your home. You're not taking all your recreational stuff. Everything you're living for, you're not taking, okay? The only thing that you and I will take with us to heaven are people. And so, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, I wish you could stand up here and look at you. See, because to God, every one of you in this room is a treasure. When you and I walk out of here today, and you go out for lunch, every person who serves you, who's sitting around you, is a treasure. When you go back to work tomorrow, or all you kids start school next week, sorry. When you do that, everyone in your workplace and everyone in your class is a treasure. And God says, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. And so you guys, I I want to tell you, as we were thinking about this, pretty much three different ways that God says you can lay up treasure in your heaven through people. One of them is really interesting. We already talked about something just in the first week of the series. Jesus again said, I'm going to come in all my glory. And I'm going to sit on my heavenly throne, and I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. So heavenly throne, so this is heaven. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And then he says, and all the sheep are the ones who, when they saw someone in need, they fed them, they clothed them, they gave them a cup of cold water, they visited them in jail. And then he said, because every time you did that to anybody on earth, you actually did it to me. So if you want to lay a treasure up in heaven, Every time you take care of a need of another human being, apparently Jesus says, that's going to be a treasure in heaven because you're doing that to me. So that's why I came to the church. Before we ever started, we knew we wanted to be out there. And that's why we have ministries where on Monday nights, starting this Monday, actually, the open door kicks back in. We're very excited about going to that. That's why we go down to the park and we feed the homeless. That's why we uh, uh, go to the uh, rescue mission and and teach there and and minister there. That's why we go to Honduras. You guys, because every time you do anything where you offer someone who's in need a blessing, you actually do it to Jesus Christ, okay? So that's the first way you could lay up a treasure for yourself. You know the other thing that God loves, you guys, because here's what it is. If I love God, and I know if I ask you right now, and I'm not going to do it, but I know because I've done it here before. If I said, how many of you love God? Most of us would go, yeah. Okay, so if you love God, then you treasure him. So that means that you put your things into him that matter. That was really bad. Uh, Let me say that again. If you love God, then what you do is you pour your resources into him and to the things that he cares about. You love the things God loves. And you know what else he loves? He loves the church. He loves it. In fact, there's two pictures that he gives us of the church. You know what the first one is? He goes, did you guys know you're my body? 
He goes, you are my body. And then he goes on to explain. And everybody takes care of their body. Anybody not take care of your body this morning? If you did, we'd all know, right? Because when you love your body, you take care of it. If it starts to get sick, you minister to it. If it starts to stink, you wash it. You actually present it in a presentable manner. As far as I can see, all of you look very presentable today. Thank you very much. I mean, it's your body. And when it's your body, you just love it. It's part of what it is to be human. And what Jesus is saying is, can I just tell you, I love my body. I don't like it when it's sick, and I don't like it when it stinks, and I don't like it when it's totally dismembered. That really bothers me, actually. Um, I like my body, and I like it when it works. And so part of the question is, do you like his body? Do you love his body? Do you love the church? And here's the better one in our marriage theme for this weekend. He says, did you guys know that the church is my bride? Oh, I realize after 10 years how much I love my bride. You guys are okay. You don't even come close to my bride. See, and what God is telling you and me is everything else in this world should be made. Hey, that's nice, that's cool, but this is my bride. Do you guys, when you come to K2, the church, have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of, holy smokes, this is Jesus' bride. He is so passionate about the people in this place. Because what is the church? This is why I say it all the time. You don't go to church. You are the church. See, it's not this red building. Hey, where's K2 the church? Well, it's on 21 South. No, it's not. It's all over the place. See, so if you love the body, that means you love every person. We, we get committed to it. And so I just want to encourage you today as an investment strategy that's eternal. Every time you invest in the church, you actually invest eternally. Last one. What does God love? John three sixteen and 17. Let's put this one up, okay? So I'll put on our rainbow wigs, right? Hold up the big sign in the end zone. And what does it say? For God, let's all, in fact, where is it? We got that, can we get John three sixteen and 17 up there real quick? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we know it. Let's try it, ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Who does God love? He loves everybody. He loves every person that doesn't know him yet. In fact, at one point he said, I'd leave all nine of you that I've got to just go after the one that I don't have yet. See, so guys, the other thing to think about is, man, what's an eternal investment strategy? I tell you, this is a huge one. Love the people who don't know how much God loves them yet. And help them to get reconnected to him through Jesus Christ. So that when you're sitting in heaven, they're sitting next to you. Can you imagine anything greater than that? That person looking at you and saying, thank you so much. You guys, that is how you lay up treasures in heaven. Now, let me share with you, in closing, just real quick here. Um, knowing that your time is short here on earth, and knowing that mine is as well, and knowing that you have a finite amount of time and, and resources, how will you invest your life today? How will you do this? How will you have an eternal investment strategy? I want to suggest to you that there is a very incredible, phenomenal investment with amazing returns. Can you imagine if your broker came to you today, called you up and said, hey, I've got one for you, man. You've got to put some resource into this. You know, if you trust him, you'd actually listen to him. You'd say, okay, here we go. I'll put some in. Can I share you what ours is, you guys? In a month, we are going to be planning our South Campus. Thank you. All right. No, but seriously, I mean, this is, out of everything that we've done, starting our, we're going to celebrate five years in a little over a month. And on our fifth year anniversary, we're going to celebrate by birthing our new campus. And as I think about that, you guys, you know what it is? If you want to invest, put your treasure, your resource, your time, your talent into something that is going to give you eternal results and is going to help change you and your heart, but also change the world, this is it, man. There is nothing greater that you could be involved in. And if you live up here, like Susie and I do, then we're relaunching this place, okay? I mean, because here's the you guys, I don't know if you know this, but next Sunday is the first Sunday that our team is going to be down there 
figuring out how to set up this new campus, we're going to have probably two to 300 people who are gone next Sunday from this campus. Is that wild? It's going to be so, we're, we're, I mean, we're here. The rubber's hitting the road. If you would pull out this yellow sheet, I'd love to just talk with you really quickly and go through with you so that you can know what's happening right here, right now at K2 The Church, where you could store up your treasure, where you could treasure things that are eternal. So, August 29th, coming up, the North Campus. How many of you are going to be part of this campus right up here? All right. Sweet. Now, there's some energy. I'm loving it. Okay. We are going to have a North Campus picnic. picnic? Uh, at, you might not want to go to that. Let's go to the picnic uh, at Sugar House Park at 6 p.m. You guys, I want to encourage you, man, please come and join us. It's going to be a great time just to connect with each other and to find out all the things that are happening at this place. Then on the 30th, which is next Sunday, the first South practice is going to be taking place. Amazing. And so, just so you guys know, to lose about 200 people on that Sunday, um, that means there's a whole lot of holes that are here. And we'll get to that in a minute. September 6th, we're all going to be back here uh, at the campus together. And then on the 13th, will be their second practice. Okay? Now, also, if you'll see this, questiongod.tv and door hangers. Mike Relish sitting over here, I really believe God gave him, absolute, he gave God, Mike a, uh, I believe it was a really anointed idea. And very soon, you're going to see billboards on I-15, and right outside here, you're gonna, if you go to Facebook, you're going to see it on Facebook. Everywhere you go here in Salt Lake, you're going to see this thing called questiongod.tv. And what it is, is you're going to click on that website and you're going to go and you're going to, anybody around the whole valley is going to be able to ask any question that they have for God. And we know that questioning God is not always something that's encouraged around here. And we're saying, no, you go for it. And our main phrase is there are now two safe places to question God, in your heart and in our church. And so what will happen is people will go to that website, they will they'll put a question for God, they will get something back that will tell them about our new launch in the South Campus and the relaunch here, okay? Can I encourage you guys, all go, go to questiongod.tv and ask your question. Because if you're human, you have one. Be honest about it, be sincere, be gut level and wrenching. And then what's going to happen is our series in the fall, we're going to take the top four questions and we're going to answer them, whatever they are. Whatever the people around here want to know about God, we're going to answer those questions. So we're really, really excited about that. And then on the 13th, we're going to have door hangers for anybody and everybody at K2. If you're here and you want to, because we're talking about changing your world, which means your neighborhood. And we're going to give you door hangers, and you're going to be able to go out after that day and go. We'll give you about 50 of them, which is nothing. But we're hoping that we all take them so we'll spread all over the place. But here's a chance for you to change your neighborhood by putting a questiongod.tv hanger on their doors. That's what we did when we launched the church, and it was unbelievable the impact that it had. And we're hoping it'll draw people in as well. Okay, so that's the 13th. On the 20th of September, we will all be back here, and we're going to commission our team. It's going to be an amazing day as we put our hands on them and bless them and anoint them for the task that God is calling them to go south. And then that night, and would you please, I want to beg you on the 20th, that night will be the last practice service for the south team, but we're all invited, so we want everybody from the north on Sunday night to go down and bless them and just watch their service down there. Gives them a chance to practice it and gives us a chance to say, man, we are with you because we're one church in two locations, all right? And then on September 27th, we celebrate five years and we launch our campus.